0: Welcome to the Magnum Rewatch Podcast. My name is Graham.
1: I'm Kathleen. We are
0: from LoadingReadyRun.com, which, oh, damn it.
1: We make cinnamon buns, delicious artisanal cinnamon buns. We harvest the cinnamon by hand, and then we keep it in humane, ethically sourced pens and rear the baby cinnamons, and then we take them and very gently grind them down And turn the paste into buns. Wait, is that not how you make a cinnamon bun? You're looking at me funny.
0: See, I'm a little out of practice with doing these intro parts. I mean,
1: we could just tell people we're comedians. Okay,
0: we're comedians on LoadingReadyRun.com. We make funny internet things.
1: I mean, as if it's not apparent by uh, my horrific description of how cinnamon buns are made.
0: That sounds grisly. I mean... You've sort of put me off cinnamon buns now.
1: That's the comedy.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry I ever doubted
1: you. I'm a professional.
0: But... This week, today, on this particular thing that we make, which is the Magnum Rewatch podcast, we are here to take you into the world of Magnum P.I.
1: That's right. It's everybody's favorite 1980s detective. Were there others? Was Columbo on in the 80s?
0: Uh, yeah. I actually just had to look it up. On paper, Columbo went from, uh, 1968 to 2003. What? Well, okay. So...
1: Peter Falk, you've been busy.
0: Well, it wasn't always Peter Falk either. What? Okay.
1: Cast aside these impersonators, there is only one true Columbo. How,
0: how deep do you want me to go on on Columbo here?
1: I mean, it's not the Columbo rewatch podcast.
0: Okay. Columbo, in one form or another, existed between 71 and 78, 89 and 98, and 2002 and 2003.
1: Was Peter Falk the avatar of Columbo during the 80s?
0: I mean... He's been the avatar of Columbo. Hang on.
1: I didn't realize this was such a complicated question. Neither did I.
0: When I say that other people played him, I meant like before Peter Falk. Peter Falk actually was in Columbo. So the thing is, Columbo was not a traditional kind of TV series. Like the episodes were movie length. Mm. And he was Columbo in episodes between 1971 and 2003. The last episode was Columbo Likes the Nightlife in 2003. And Peter Falk played Columbo.
1: Okay. Full disclosure here,
0: listeners. I forgot why I asked you. Now, frankly, I have no idea why this came up anymore, but...
1: I think I was making a throwaway gag.
0: (laughs) Columbo took a great pause. Like, they made Columbo consistently up to 1978, and then didn't make another one until 89. In that gap, Magnum Magnum could be
1: America's favorite television private investigation. While Magnum was on
0: the air, Columbo was never on the air.
1: Oh my god, maybe there can be only one. It's like TV case-solving Highlander.
0: Holy crap. You've just blown this whole thing wide open.
1: Wait, what were we ta- wait, we're actually talking about Magnum.
0: Tropical Madness.
1: Yes, just le- that's what we had. That's why we went on that tangent.
0: Exactly. This episode, episode 25, season 2, episode 7, is called Tropical Madness. That's right. Yes. It's
1: about a dengue fever outbreak. No, it's about...
0: <laughs> Jeez, I hope not. Tropical Madness, it's Magnum P.I., it's set in Hawaii, the opening credits fade up, and here we are in Leeds england
1: or a part uh, of hawaii that they've dressed up to look like Leeds,
0: and it's a funeral there's there there's a man who died
1: and there's a sad girl yeah her name is jenny the a man comes up to her and is like are you jennifer she's like "No, i'm jenny
0: she does have a very uh low class accent yes yeah now guy, have never mind i'm jenny too right
1: it's a bit played up like i don't no, know that's if a
0: compl- just- that's that's word for word what she says really no
1: I was going to say, I don't remember this episode the same way you do, but no. I'll take your word for she it. Just, she,
0: she, she Stop says,
1: gaslighting me. She says,
0: neither governor nor two-right. The point being, he comes up and says, are you Jennifer? She says, I'm Jenny. And he says, I'm the man who should have been your father.
1: To which I say, well, if you should have been my father, I would be a different person.
0: And then we cut to a year later, the Kinkamehameha Club. It's a weird cold open. Very weird. I'm the man who should have been your father and cut to a year later. is It's an odd one. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. So it's the King Kamehameha Club, and Jennifer is actually there. She's sitting at the King Kamehameha Club, and she calls over Higgins, because he looks professional in his blazer, and says, excuse me, do you work here? Do you represent the club? And he says, well, I don't represent the club, but I'm on the board of directors.
1: I have to say, her accent has much improved. In a yeah, year. she
0: sounds a lot more higher class now.
1: She's been to finishing school. There's been a My Fair Lady...
0: Like, I wonder if the viewing audience at the time picked up on that. I think so. Because, like, the... They do
1: the Jenny Jennifer.
0: Yeah, but, like, the the classist accent thing...
1: Is a very British thing. It's very UK. But I don't know how much Americans in 1980 knew... Well, that scene My Fair Lady, that came out in the 60s. Yeah. That's, like, a classic Pygmalion.
0: Well, yeah, but anyway, she... Okay, so in her now posh voice, which she spent probably a year working on, she... Wishes to register a complaint because there is a man over there staring at her luridly.
1: That man is the man who looks like he's gone out, unfortunately, in his underpants. A one T. Magnum Esquire. Well, well,
0: she doesn't say that, but she just says the guy who looks like he's in his underwear. Which, of course, is Magnum because he's wearing short shorts. That's not why
1: everybody wore short shorts. It was the 80s.
0: Exactly. And who wears short shorts routinely in Magnum is Magnum.
1: That's for the people at home.
0: Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like that?
1: I mean, someone.
0: I guess. So Higgins goes ah yes perfect i'd love to do this (laughs) swagger's over to magnum rick and tc and you know it's like we've just received a complaint about your dress code and whatever and magnum says now hang on i'm on the beach i'm allowed to dress like this and higgins sort of glosses over that and then says well this lady's been complaining that you're you know ogling her and magnum goes look i've never actually noticed her i certainly was not ogling her
1: and he looks at her and sees how cute she is
0: and is like wow i
1: I'll go apologize. i should have
0: been i guess okay i'll go apologize and he goes up and says hey what's up this old square says i was making eyes at you this is not how magnum is t- this
1: is t- how talks. i remember it actually yeah
0: higgins says that i was you know staring at you inappropriately and i wasn't but i wish i was i'm gonna sit down hey what's up my name's thomas magnum ladies
1: she is like such a no cell. She's just like, okay. She doesn't even give him her name. Ice Queen. Feel a certain kinship with this lady. Because mm-hmm. that would be my approach. If somebody tried to chat me up, I'd just be like the complete no cell.
0: So Magnum cuts his losses and goes back to hang out with with Rick and TC.
1: Who are appalled that he has not managed to close the deal by talking to somebody for 30 seconds.
0: Hey, he's a closer. They know that.
1: I mean, the, the hormonal power of his mustache cannot be denied. Except in this case, I guess.
0: Well, they're even more surprised because after that, Higgins goes down and sits beside her and they start talking.
1: Yeah, she's ignoring Magnum to talk to Higgins. what
0: What kind of topsy-turvy mixed-up world are we dealing with kathleen is this the mirror universe episode
1: i don't know what kind of wait
0: is there a mirror universe episode
1: i don't know i mean they all have goatees i hope not honestly i was gonna say i hope so but i thought about it and i was like no i don't want to watch that but yeah who turns down a swarthy fit muscular tanned 30 year old american so they can chat with a pale pudgy stuffy snobby British guy in his sixties.
0: Why Jennifer Chapman? Of course.
1: Well, I mean it's true. Rick and TC are so appalled by this they make a bet.
0: Well, Rick makes a bet and TC rushes to accept. Rick goes fifty bucks that Magnum gets her first name before Higgins even gets a date.
1: Uh, and Rick immediately loses this bet. Uh,
0: well, yeah. I mean we don't see it sort of pay out for a little while, but yeah. I mean the next scene that we see is then sort of later magnum now wearing pants is waiting for keoki to bring his car around and she's also waiting for her car to be brought around and he sort of goes up and goes oh hey uh, fancy meeting you here how's it going we're waiting for our cars at the same time isn't that weird and crazy
1: and she's like yes
0: and he's like oh cool and then she gets in her car and drives away
1: but then two dudes
0: follow her there's a recurring thing through this episode of uh magnum's narration sort of trying to dispense secret agent advice that is always 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 immediately proven wrong
1: not secret agent advice but like private eye advice
0: private eye advice
1: detective tips
0: yeah so he DT for short he watches these guys leave and he says all right two pieces of advice for would-be tailors uh one you don't want your tailing car to be so nondescript That it's obvious in it's nondescriptedness. That's sort of subjective. We can't really get around that. I mean, I feel like the
1: decadal standards of what a nondescript car change. Like, if you picked a K car to tail somebody in the 80s, that'd be fine. But nowadays, it'd be like, well, why is that still on the road? (laughs) (laughs) This has been detective tips with Kathleen.
0: His second piece of advice is to pay attention because people who are tailing people never notice that they themselves are being tailed. Cut to the two guys in the car looking in their rearview mirror and immediately noticing that Magnum is following them and looking at each other knowingly and nodding.
1: Also, the two guys in the car are the weirdest, like, mismatched pair.
0: It's a sumo wrestler and a little person. Yeah. Referred to frequently as a midget and or dwarf throughout this episode because it was a different time.
1: Yeah, that's a different time count. But nowadays, please refer to them as little people. Because that's what they prefer. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, all three cars conspicuously pull up to the same gas station. Jennifer pulls up, is looking for an attendant. The sumo and the little person pull up, and they get out, and they start walking towards her car. Magnum gets out of his car and tries to confront them and goes, hey, you guys are being really obvious, telling this girl, what do you want with them? And they just start, they just attack him.
1: Yeah, well, the sumo guy attacks him. And the sumo. Well, guy... it starts
0: because the little person throws a, like a tire iron at Magnum, which he dodges, and... Yeah, uh, when it
1: takes the rearview mirror off his car.
0: Yeah, it takes the rearview mirror off of Robin Master's car.
1: Well, that's true, actually.
0: By the way, I just, since we keep saying it, for your interest, by the way, this character is credited as Dwarf Enforcer, which I think is a multi-class in D&D. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah.
1: Maybe the other guy's half-orc.
0: That's possible. He's a big guy. He's huge. He actually knocks Magnum out clean.
1: Yeah, which is, I think that's the first time we've seen this happen. Oh, like uh, when somebody's not like bludgeoning him over the head with something, right?
0: Yeah. The sumo guy knocks him out. He falls to the ground with a hose of engine oil spraying up in the air all over himself and the Ferrari and the other two guys leave. And then so he pulls up at Robin's Nest with a car covered in oil and himself covered in oil. Except he's
1: also only wearing his boxer shorts
0: because he used his clothes to wipe the oil off the windshield and higgins is very upset higgins won't even listen to him by the way he's like well i was attacked and higgins is just focused on the oil on the, on the oil and, and how the dare you and how could you and obviously you're going to clean this up and this is irresponsible and magnum is like look i was attacked
1: higgins don't give an f
0: And Higgins says, and you're in your underwear, and Magnum screams at him, because I used my clothing to wipe the oil off the windscreen. Windshield. Because, of course, Higgins has been saying windscreen this whole time, because Mm -hmm. he's British. And then Jennifer pulls up.
1: And Magnum's like, what the F?
0: He grabs his jeans and sort of holds them in front of himself. Yes, so
1: from a very specific angle, it looks like he's wearing pants.
0: (laughs) Well... I guess that's better than just like, hey, what's up? I'm in my boxers.
1: They're like the silky heart print boxers almost too, aren't they?
0: They're white with some sort of red dot. They could be hearts. It's a little hard to tell on they're standard definition.
1: They're almost like stereotypical cartoon boxers. We'll have to
0: wait for the Blu-ray re-release of Magnum.
1: I have bad news. Oh. Uh, don't hold your breath. Okay. Although, I mean, if we can get this podcast really popular, maybe we can drive public interest in Magnum PI and maybe they'll do a remaster. That'd be cool be nice i'd buy it yeah
0: i mean uh, i mean
1: that's one copy
0: all right done
1: anyhow jennifer pulls up and she's just like oh you again
0: higgins by the way won't believe magnum's story um probably because he said that he was attacked by a sumo wrestler and a little person and higgins is convinced he's making this up
1: i mean it's very specific
0: yeah that's why i'd be more inclined to believe it my reaction would be what really like who's gonna make that up Who's going to try and sell you on I was attacked at a gas station by a sumo wrestler and a little person?
1: Probably a five-year-old, I guess.
0: And because this story is so fake, I covered my own self and car in engine oil and knocked a wing mirror off just yeah. to just to try and sell you on this ridiculous story.
1: That's a good point.
0: Higgins' judgment is is slightly clouded at the moment shall we say yeah i feel
1: like if higgins was not distracted by jennifer he would think wait previously you have rescued me from like a mountain fortress where people drugged me
0: yeah it's in the opening titles every week
1: weird stuff happens all the time to us i guess this doesn't actually sound so ludicrous remember when we had that dog that used to be owned by a mobster here
0: That everyone thought was so ugly for some reason it was actually totally normal.
1: It was a cute dog. I it like was. that dog. Right. But Higgins... Remember right.
0: that time that ESP happened?
1: i choose to forget that time.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. but uh, <laughs> no. sorry for reminding you.
1: Higgins' judgment is clouded because Jennifer is really pretty. And she's very nice to Higgins. And they're there to hang out. And Magnum is just really mad, so he goes for a swim. Magnum goes for a lot of head clearing swims. There's
0: a lot of anger swimming in this episode.
1: There's a lot of shots of Magnum appearing out of the water, like imagine the Halle Berry shot from that episode or from that James Bond movie, but it's Magnum.
0: Weirdly, I try to forget that that James Bond movie existed.
1: Well, we both have things that would rather forget existed then.
0: I have a lot of latter Pierce Brosnan's Bond that I try to repress.
1: I mean, most people do.
0: Well, that movie especially.
1: Wait, we're getting... This is a tangent again. So Magnum comes out of the water after a head-clearing swim, and And he Jennifer's sees-
0: ambling around the estate with a parasol reading a book. Yeah. Like she flippin' owns the place. Yeah, I... Uh, like, well, she's wandering around like she's landed gentry, and this is her manor in the South Downs. Like, it's very strange. So he goes up and says, hey, look, I need you to be for serious with me. What What's up with this?
1: Yeah, like somebody was following you and they attacked me and she just looks at him but like not like he's crazy like well, he might be onto something but then just turns heel and like walks away
0: she turns heel
1: she she's just like hey miami bust how out, about some cheap heat
0: she busts out a steel chair and just like clocks him
1: she turns her heel she turns on her heel ah i bet that's a good way to get cheap heat in honolulu though to what, like, refer
0: to it as miami yeah that's so far away.
1: Well, I'm trying to think of a similarly inclined tropical getaway city within the U.S. L.A. doesn't quite have the right vibe.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Wrestling crowds really hate it when you call them different cities.
1: Did anybody do that at the wrestling show you went to? Was anybody like, hey, Vancouver? Or... They should
0: have. That, that would actually... Someone should tell them next time they come to Victoria that really what they should do is go, hello, Vancouver, and that'll...
1: That'll fire up the crowd. Oh, yeah. Send a tweet to the WWE.
0: Dear sir, I have some ideas.
1: Wait, tangent again. Dang. <laughs> So then what happens, Graham?
0: Well, we go back to the King Kamehameha Club where Rick is now paying TC's bet.
1: Oh, by the way, TC is a gem in this episode.
0: TC's great in this episode. Basically, this whole scene is Rick and Magnum trying to carry the scene on with TC repeatedly haranguing Rick to continue counting out the money that he's paying to TC for the yeah, bet. Yeah, somehow
1: this bet has blossomed into $100.
0: Yeah, I don't know how that happened.
1: I mean, maybe there's is a it, double or nothing did they bo-
0: Yeah, maybe there was. I don't know. Double or nothing if, like, she spends the night at Robin's Nest with Higgins?
1: Maybe. Uh, Rick is uh, paying TC in fives.
0: Yeah. It's not efficient. No. You'd think that Rick, the manager, could be like, Can you just turn all these fives into a hundo? If I were Rick in that situation, I'd turn all the fives into a hundred, give TC the hundred, and then when he tries to buy something, like a drinker's or whatever at the Refuse bar, I'd to be give like, him No, I'd be like, I'm sorry, we can't take hundreds.
1: Arch troll. Right? Good. I like that. Thank you. Uh, I so feel if it.
0: anyone has a beachfront club they would like me to manage, I would be great at it.
1: And some revenge you want to get very slowly.
0: Please write to. Give Graham...
1: A beachfront manager job? You don't want that job.
0: (laughs) Please write to Graham's Retirement Fund.
1: Send $100 here.
0: No, no, no. I don't want the $100. I want to manage the beach club.
1: That's not a retirement fund. You have to work. It's a job, Graham.
0: In my head, I was inheriting the... I was owning the club.
1: Right. You hire someone else. Yeah. Tangent. Okay. So then, Magnum gets a phone call. It's a mysterious voice.
0: And it says, Jennifer Chapman. And Magnum says... What and the voice continues. If you want to know all of her secrets, come and meet me at this temple. And Magnum goes. That's weird. Okay.
1: And then he's driving over there, and he's like, "The second rule of detecting is not to fall for obvious tricks." But the thing is, the reason why they're obvious is because they usually work. And so Magnum is in fact going out to this Japanese temple alone. It's a really pretty temple. It's like a big Shinto shrine.
0: That is in Temple. That uh, was actually used a lot in the first series of Lost. It was the home of the Korean woman son's powerful father, is as it was. This is how it's described in this article. It was built in the 1960s to to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the arrival of the first Japanese immigrant workers to Hawaii. It is a replica of the 950-year-old Biodoin Temple in Uji, in the southern outskirts of Kyoto. It's certainly open to the public. But not now, because there's a sign that says closed, implying that it is open at some point.
1: Implying that it's after 4 p.m., because that's apparently the time they close those things.
0: Generally, at least it was when we were in Japan.
1: That's my observational knowledge, at least.
0: Yeah. Sorry, by the way, sorry that we were away uh, the last week. Once we got back from Japan, we were home for a total of one weekends in And July. we
1: recorded and got a Magnum Rewatch podcast out.
0: Yeah, but then uh, we were at a convention, and then we were at the Magic Pro Tour, and it was a whole thing and we're happy to be back doing this we're really excited to be bringing you more magnum rewatch but uh, apologies that there was some lapse in there that's why i couldn't think of a good joke at the beginning of the show
1: that's okay i got you covered thank you with the horrible cinnamon slaughter
0: yeah it worked out beautifully right so magnum goes into the temple and who should be waiting for him but sumo wrestler and little person who has a butterfly knife
1: that's not safe
0: no it's I not mean, safe for anyone to have a butterfly knife. Yeah, they're, would, they're illegal here.
1: Regardless of whether or not you are a little person.
0: Are they legal in the U.S.? I don't think so. According to a website I just found on Hawaiian knife law.
1: There's a website for... Okay, I'm the, not going to question
0: it. The only types of knives that are illegal in Hawaii...
1: Oh, let me guess. Machetes. No. Really dull steak knives. No. Knock off No.
0: There's only two kinds of knives that are banned in Hawaii, and any other type of knife is legal
1: butterfly knife
0: yes which they call a bally song which is why i had to look it up it's a philippine word for butterfly knife okay also known as the fan knife and a and batangus. i plopped off my
1: finger by accident yeah which is i think most of the reason why those things are banned because you're like flick 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 bah! emergency yes.
0: so <laughs> yes butterfly knives are indeed not legal in hawaii as are
1: knives that you poach tigers with
0: uh the knife is not the illegal part of that.
1: Ivory handled knives.
0: That's still not the knife specifically that is the problem.
1: Well, it's the handle. Switchblades. Oh. Yeah. So, but sword canes are okay, as we're telling me.
0: Uh, Bowie knives and other large knives, such as machetes, like you mentioned, are legal. Throwing knives are legal. Disguised knives, like sword canes, belt, belt knives, lipstick knives, and push knives, are legal. I want a
1: lipstick knife.
0: Undetectable knives.
1: Oh, that's a sword cane.
0: Such as knives that won't set off metal detectors. Oh. Are legal. Stilettos, daggers and dirks are legal. No, some have, of
1: th- some of those are D&D equipment pieces.
0: I've only ever seen dirks in Diablo. So
1: I mean, I guess they came from somewhere.
0: Uh, but you cannot conceal Dirk's daggers or similar knives. It's um, also legal to open carry any knife.
1: Must make those ni- those games of knifey spoony very exciting.
0: You may not concealed carry knives with knuckles like some World War One trench knives. What?
1: Tangent. So the little person has a butterfly knife, and Magnum looks at the little person and is just like, Meh. but then he sees Sumo Guy come out of the back of the temple. He's like, whoa, and goes to run away. But then they sort of like pincer maneuver him. The little person lunges at Magnum with the butterfly knife. And Magnum says to himself in narration, well, you know what? Even if they're thugs, they've got a code. They never hurt their own guy. So Magnum actually picks up the little guy to use him as a shield because the sumo wrestler has a gun. And then the sumo wrestler shoots at Magnum and the little person anyhow.
0: He misses. He misses. But he immediately counteracts magnum's brain argument
1: and then magnum throws the little person at the sumo wrestler and then just books it
0: just hauls ass out of there
1: i mean he's probably a faster runner than either of them probably i mean he's done a triathlon or most of one that's true remember when magnum got suckered into a triathlon why wouldn't higgins believe him now that's one of the least weird things that's (laughs) happened to them and it's still weird as balls
0: yeah just before magnum got that phone call we did have a brief scene of magnum helping higgins into his dinner jacket to go to the the vice chancellor's
1: admiral ball admiral's
0: naval ball higgins is apparently an honorary vice chancellor so he is obliged to attend this
1: society society
0: naval function i'm a little unclear on the whole thing but the point is jennifer's going as his date and magnum doesn't believe it
1: yeah higgins is practicing the rumba yeah which is not just a cool robot vacuum back in the 1980s that was dance
0: it's still a dance
1: I feel even less people do the Rumba now.
0: pretty sure the dance is why the vacuum robot is named that.
1: Oh, really? I thought it was Room, like R-O-O-M. Oh, wait, are you saying that's a pun on the name of the dance?
0: Yes, because it slides around the room.
1: Oh. <laughs> tangent.
0: That's not a tangent. That's just you not getting a joke.
1: Come on, that's a very specific joke. If you were surprised by the Roomba Roomba Pun Association name, please write to... Ha, Graham, Kathleen is not that dumb. I am also dumb. Care of Graham's email.
0: Magnum establishes that that is a date, which is why TC gets the money from Rick. And so after the scene where Magnum runs away from the temple... We go to Higgins dropping Jennifer off at her house. They say they're good nights, and it's, it's very well. She seems enamored with his stories from the war.
1: Until he gets out of the car to open her door, and she's just like,
0: <laughs> She's into him enough that she's willing to let the stories wash over her.
1: I mean, considering Magnum has used the stories offensively. Yeah, like, that's true that's pretty as a weapon that's that's special
0: yeah so he he says good night and he leans in and kisses her on the forehead
1: very proper very gentlemanly
0: yes and and she says uh, what did she say
1: she says oh higgins you're the perfect gentleman but it is possible to be too perfect and then pulls him in for a mouth kiss
0: Ooh, higgins gets a mouth kiss
1: mouth kiss mouth kiss higgins get a mouth kiss all night long
0: well for a couple seconds anyway
1: Yeah, it's not even a full second.
0: Then he gets back in the car and leaves and looks really happy about it. Jennifer goes inside and there's a dude in her house.
1: Wait, it's that dude who said he should have been her father?
0: Yeah, that's weird.
1: He's also British.
0: Yeah. Still. Still and he says that he can tell that she's a good soul and might be actually developing some sort of feelings or at least remorse for this higgins person and if she wants to back out of their plan she can and i guess he'll just find someone else if that happens but it's up to her
1: wow that seems extremely manipulative right this scene is very awkward and goes on a little bit too long and the acting's not great i'm not gonna lie to you from who both of them. It's a little stiff. Hmm.
0: You want to hear about the guy that plays Bryce Harcourt?
1: I don't think he's ever named.
0: Well, his the character's name is Bryce Harcourt.
1: That's news to me.
0: The actor's name is Roy Dutrice. Is he British? Yes. Oh. he's born on the island of Guernsey.
1: That's a place in Britain. Isn't that where cheese comes from? Cows buck
0: about. I mean, yeah, they do have cows there. It's one of the Channel Islands off the coast of france but part of the uk uh he's ha- he's had a long career as what imdb refers to as a chameleon like character actor his first tv role was in an episode of hunting tower in 1957
1: how old is he is he still alive because he doesn't look like super old in this
0: he is still alive Woo! he was born in 1923
1: holy crap
0: yeah wow Uh,
1: he's 92 yeah he is tenacious
0: he played charles dickens in the tv series dickens of london okay oh he played mozart in amadeus
1: oh that's the thing i've heard of
0: he played jacob wells in 55 episodes of the tv series of beauty and the beast
1: oh wait like the one with with ron perlman yeah yeah and who's the who's the beauty in that it's like linda hamilton or something it's some 1980s lady with big blonde hair
0: yeah it was linda hamilton yes he played Father Barrett in Picket Fences. He played the Destroyer in the, in the 1997 uh, Spider-Man series. He played Zeus in Hercules the Legendary Journeys.
1: Also something I have seen.
0: Yes. Uh, he's actually on Game of Thrones what yeah he plays halen it- he's only been in two episodes in the the episodes the ghost of heron hall and blackwater he plays halen he plays the pyromancer who creates wildfire
1: you could have told me he plays the derpomancer who creates butts and i would be like okay i have not seen game of thrones i believe you anyway well i might not have believed you said that that's
0: re- stupid re- relevant character to a scene in which a bunch of spoilers occur
1: so he's still alive and he's still working i mean you know sporadically as much as a 92 year old wants or needs to work i imagine
0: well that, that's been his for that was his first role since 2008 and he hasn't done much since then but the fact is he's still around nice and if you're a British actor, you're going to get in an episode of Game of Thrones eventually. Jennifer, by the way, is played by Devon Erickson, who has done a variety of not much.
1: Is she British?
0: No, she was born in Salt Lake City.
1: Why did they just not hire a British lady for this role? Mm. I mean, she does a fairly good British accent.
0: She was in an episode of MathNet. Really? Yeah. on that's Square cool. On Square One TV. She was in the episode The Mystery of the Maltese Pigeon, which is kind of funny, actually, because, of course, that's a direct parody of the Maltese Falcon, with Humphrey Bogart and this episode ends with Higgins doing a Casablanca reference Uh, it's a very tangential connection yeah but I thought it was neat
1: that's not nothing
0: she plays a character called Asteria Elifa in an episode of Buck Rogers cool okay (laughs) so anyway she's she's into this Plan, whatever this plan is with Bryce.
1: She looks a little doubtful, but she's not arguing no.
0: Yeah. Higgins gets home and finds that Magnum is actually still awake and waiting for him, and Magnum's really, really trying to get through to him.
1: Magnum is a little bit drunk because he's been drinking a bunch of wine, and he is really frustrated.
0: He says, Look, Higgins, I was attacked because two guys were following Jennifer, and then I got a phone call to find out. Some sort of secret about Jennifer, and I go, and those same two guys attack me. There's something up with her, and Higgins at- flatly refuses to believe that there could be anything wrong with jennifer at all and how dare you and everything's wonderful and perfect and it's a storybook everything's great and magnum says this sounds like a jerky thing to say but i need you to look at this logically and consider why someone as young and beautiful as jennifer is going out with you
1: because you have to remember this is the 1980s but higgins talks a lot about stuff he did in world war ii which means that he was at least 18 or 19 during the 40s Mm -hmm. right you know because they didn't let You know, 16-year-olds into the army. I guess he could have lied about his age, but the point being, he is at least, at least in his mid to late 50s.
0: The character is born sometime in 1920. He's 61.
1: Yeah, there's no way. I mean, this at the very best, this girl's got major daddy issues. That should be a red flag.
0: Yeah. But that bounces completely off Higgins. He doesn't care, and he just thinks that Magnum is making it up for a laugh or something. He's done finding it amusing, and he wants Magnum to stop. So then we go to outside Jennifer's place during the day. By the way, the the location for Jennifer's place is a private residence in Nu'uanu Valley, uh, which is just across the street from the location they use for the King Kamehameha Club.
1: Oh, how convenient.
0: Yeah, that's handy. And Magnum's talking in the narration again, and he says, look, you know... I have a code for myself when I'm working a case like this, which is that I never break the law. And then of course you cut to him jumping over the back fence and, trespassing on the their thing property is we
1: have seen magnum break the law so many yeah where see, does that's, murder fall
0: that's the thing is this is played for like laughs in the context of this episode in the same way of like you never shoot at your partner and the guy shoots at his partner or they never check behind them and it shows them checking behind them and this is like i never break the law cut to him trespassing and it's like okay that's funny and everything except also we've seen you break the law like every single case like you have broken into people's houses multiple times and yeah like Kathleen just said. Where does murder fall in the realm of the law?
1: I mean, what's the murders without consequence count here? It's like, it's not, it's like six now, isn't it's it? It's enough. It's a lot.
0: It's enough that it's murder. So anyway, he gets in the back. He gets into the house. Over the course of this episode, he will pick four locks.
1: Mm. hmm Mm-hmm. He's going to like, he's looking around and it's not very interesting and he goes to go into a chest and as he's trying to pick the lock on like a little like drawer unit or whatever it is, he notices there is just a like a file on top and it has like pictures of Higgins.
0: And data and, like, his whole dossier. And so, this is kind of cool, actually. While he's talking about it, or, like while he's flipping through, you hear him and Higgins talking about it. Like, he picks it up and then you immediately hear, why would they have a whole dossier full of pictures and statistics on you? And you hear Higgins talking back, As but the camera is still showing Magnum flipping through this.
1: Yeah, it's a nice cut, actually. I like that. So
0: then we cut back to Robin's Nest in the middle of that conversation. And he's still trying to convince Higgins that there's something weird and jennifer walks up from having had a swim very grateful to higgins for introducing her to the joy that is swimming off the beaches of hawaii which is funny because magnum tried to suggest that very thing in an earlier scene and she he is rebuffed she brushed him off but now that higgins now that it's higgins idea oh la dee da
1: it's all very weird
0: so magnum immediately calls her out on it and and says look i was at your house i found the file on higgins and without a pause She goes, well, did you find my manuscripts? Did you listen to all of my tapes?
1: And Magnum's like, what?
0: What? And she says, I'm writing a book. And Magnum says, oh, okay, so you actually have a whole excuse also rehearsed. Well, you're a very good actress. That's nice.
1: It's all very convenient. But uh, the TLDR is, I had an uncle, and he was writing a book about the campaign in North Africa, and particularly the regiment that Higgins served in, and then he died, and he never got to finish his book, and so now I'm trying to finish his book. And so I thought, because you were so modest, Higgins, from all of my research, you'd never talk about what you did in in Africa normally, so I had to resort to subterfuge.
0: She also does the line from She's All That, Mm. the sort of, well, when I went into this, I thought I was just using subterfuge to try and get the story out of you, and so I pretended I'd like you, but then I really did start to like you, and... You know, just because I made a bet with the rest of the football team doesn't make me like you any less, Higgins.
1: That's exactly how it goes.
0: Well, it's the same excuse.
1: Oh, I know. It's so It's so bad. And Magnum's like, you don't honestly believe this, Higgins. And Higgins is like, I absolutely believe this. Now be gone, Magnum, and you are bothering us.
0: So then we cut to Magnum having another relaxation swim.
1: Well, vent swim.
0: Venting swim, Whatever.
1: Look, there's a lot of Magnum in wet shorts this episode.
0: He gets out of the water, and Jennifer is shooting clay pigeons.
1: Like, the whole pull, high pants, everything. Like, she's just, like, moved in.
0: By the way, the footage of the actual pigeons being shot is the same as the footage from the previous episode where there was clay pigeon shooting.
1: Like, why would you buy two pieces of clay pigeon stock footage, Graham? They reuse actors. Why would they not reuse footage?
0: I... Wasn't criticizing, I was just saying, if you're interested.
1: I'm defensive about my clay pigeon stock footage.
0: You have clay pigeon stock footage? Is this Is <laughs> a side business?
1: Look, you have your retirement plans, I have mine.
0: I just want to own a beachfront club in Hawaii. I don't think it's that weird.
1: Wait, tangent, crap. So Magnum is peeved, and he goes up to Jennifer and he's like... Fess up. What's going on here? This is ridiculous.
0: Higgins won't believe me because of your friend. She asks what friend and he says the guy who phoned me and tells me that he knows about you. Like you're obviously involved in this. What the hell is going on? Why won't you tell me? And she refuses. And then he kisses her? And I don't know why.
1: I don't know why either. I think it's to get Higgins mad enough to think straight, but I think that's a poor choice.
0: Like I think that's the point because what happens is Higgins sees this. Higgins says that his conduct is unacceptable and walks up and Punches him across the jaw. Higgins actually gets so mad, he strikes Magnum.
1: Not very effectively.
0: Magnum says, you didn't have to hit me. The kiss wasn't worth it.
1: Oh, snap! Dang, son!
0: Snap. And then he leaves. You want
1: some ice for that burn, Jenny?
0: And Higgins is really bad higgins is upset with himself like he's upset with magnum obviously but he's more upset with himself for losing his temper and becoming physically violent and jennifer jumps on this this opportunity oh yeah by going i just i just could never feel safe with him around because i want to be here with you all the time i want to move in but he's in the guest house that's right nearby and and he
1: could be leering at us he
0: could be leering at us and you know how could we ever deal with that and higgins says well we can go away somewhere where do you want to go And she says, no, there must be some other way. Cut to Magnum packing.
1: Yeah. Higgins has asked Magnum to move out for this girl, who he's known for like a week at this point. And even Higgins at the end of the scene, which is just basically Magnum saying, if you need me, I'll be at TC's, looks a little confused about how this has happened. Higgins hasn't asked Magnum to move out for a variety of much better reasons. Yeah. But now this is the straw that broke. It's very weird. Higgins is not acting like a smart man.
0: Nope. So Magnum takes off, and uh, then we cut to Robin's Nest that night where Magnum comes back. Yes. (laughs) He sneaks up the beach in like a wetsuit or something with some rope, and he says that he knew he was taking a risk coming back here, but whatever was going to go on was going to happen now that he was out of the picture. Mm Mm-hmm. Higgins, for his part, is inside Robin's Nest, smoking in a smoking jacket.
1: I guess that's what they're for.
0: Apparently. And repeating to himself over and over again to make sure that he, that he gets it right.
1: The good delivery.
0: My dear, you look ravishing tonight. <laughs> a little champagne. Oh. I I think the laughter is meant to be sort of like a hold for applause kind of thing. Yes. Like, my dear, you look ravishing tonight. Wait for oh, a response. thank you. Chuckle. <laughs> a little champagne sort of thing. He says this over and over and over again.
1: He's practicing.
0: Yeah. And then finally, the doorbell rings. And-
1: well, not before Magnum cuts out the security system. Yes. To allow the doorbell to ring.
0: He cuts the power. The whole thing goes dark. Higgins says, sends Zeus and Apollo on a patrol. And then the power comes right back on. And then the doorbell rings and Higgins says to himself, that's okay. That's just Jennifer because she obviously has a key to the gate. So this is fine. And he goes and answers the door and it's TC.
1: Who says, man, Higgy baby, I leaned on the gate and sparks came up. <laughs> higgins
0: is like like, how hard did you lean on the gate
1: tc is a gem in this scene also
0: yeah higgins is just like what are you doing here you're no longer a guest here how dare you and tc has this whole story he's like well magnum borrowed a bunch of my stuff and i want it back and here's a paper bag and i've prepared this list and Higgins is just, like, trying to get him out of there as quickly as possible and says, that's fine. Everything of yours will be returned to you in the morning. I promise. Please leave.
1: TC is also like, well, hold on. I don't want any of that second-rate stuff that you've got lying around here. I want my stuff.
0: <laughs> and, by the way, during this scene, he also places, like, a audio transmitter under the coffee table uh, so that Magnum can keep an ear in the room. Yes. And so they get over to the door. Higgins whips open the door to show tc the stairs and of course jennifer is now there which higgins greets by going my dear you look ravishing ha 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 ha. some champagne to each tc
1: says hey man maybe you should get your voice checked sounds like you're coming down with something kisses jennifer's hands and then gives higgins the most exaggerated comic wimp or wink
0: yeah he's just like you have a good night tonight higgins wink
1: and then sashays away basically
0: so good oh Magnum joins TC and Rick in the Island Hopper's van, which is parked in darkness on the estate. And they're listening to what's going on in the living room because they're positive that something's going to go down. Jennifer convinces Higgins to send Zeus and Apollo away.
1: Well, he sends them to the kitchen. because She's like, I thought this night was supposed to be private for us. But they're here watching. It's like they're dogs.
0: I get it if you're literally having sex and a dog is sitting at the foot of the bed just staring at you. I can see how that might be weird. But you're just having pleasant dinner conversation, and the dogs weren't even looking in your direction. And she's like, "Oh, I'm so weirded out by your dogs."
1: Yeah, it's. I, I see. Why is Higgins not noticing that this is nuts behavior?
0: He's blinded, you see, by tropical madness. That's how he explains earlier. I I guess we didn't mention that by name. We
1: got tangented in the
0: in the scene where Magnum says, "You really should consider why she's going for someone like you." He acknowledges that it's weird, but attributes it to tropical madness. That's like a wonderful thing. It's like, oh, it's just tropical madness, Magnum. That She's-
1: sounds like a terrible illness. It makes you chase after septuagenarians. Well, not septuagenarians. He's only he's only sixty one.
0: Sexagenarians.
1: Oh, maybe that's why she wants it.
0: Dang. Dang, yo. <laughs>
1: That doesn't happen. No. In fact...
0: There's another knock at the door.
1: And Higgins is just like... TC. I'll take care of this. But it's not TC. In fact...
0: It's, it's a sumo wrestler and a little person.
1: Which Higgins is, you know, you know, frankly astonished to see. He's like, <laughs> wait, you're real?
0: <laughs> Santa?
1: Yeah. And uh, then our friend Blake comes in. Bryce. Whatever. They don't say his name. His name could be Higgledy Piggledy. His name could be Ernest Throp. Bottom the fourth.
0: Sure. So Ernest Wintlethrop Bottom the fourth comes in. The sumo guy grabs Higgins and Higgins calls to Jennifer to hit the alarm and call the police. And Jennifer doesn't do anything. And he's like, What is going on, Jennifer? What are you part of this? What's happening? And Jennifer says, Yes, I'm afraid. You know, I'm sorry to have deceived you, but you deserve what's coming to you because of how you treated my mother.
1: Higgins is like, Sorry, why?
0: She's like, how you treated him, referring to Bryce, and my mother in Egypt, the elopement. And Higgins, of course, is utterly baffled because this is a completely BS story, as it turns out. I don't even know what the... We never actually hear what the full story, story is. is uh but it's something to do with higgins time in the army and bryce says oh yeah no that's not actually no no that's not it either. don't, don't
1: worry about it honey and then they tie up jennifer
0: yeah because she was merely a pawn in bryce's evil plan that's been brewing for over a year
1: yeah it turns out ernest bottom the fourth aka bryce aka blake aka who cares is actually an international art thief He's there to get his hands on Robin Masters' paintings, because Robin Masters, when he was young, invested in some really, really good bargains at the time.
0: Really good at at speculating.
1: Yeah, so he's got like a Picasso hanging up in there.
0: And the Robin Masters' art collection is worth like, what, $30 million?
1: And Higgins is like, please, 37, and then they put tape over his mouth. Yeah. So they are, you know, basically taking paintings off the wall and like going for these things. And then suddenly, action van team!
0: yeah magnum tc and rick burst through the french doors
1: yeah glass flies everywhere
0: yeah tc and rick chase the sumo wrestler and the little person completely out of the room and out of the estate while magnum with a gun threatens bryce who himself pulls a knife out and threatens one of the paintings and is like if you take one more step i'll ruin this painting and
1: i'm sure we can negotiate and then magnum is just like
0: and just shoots like near his head and is like really you want to do that bang and bryce just sort of goes okay yeah no that's fine we're good here we're good and then we get a little exterior shot of tc and rick chasing the sumo wrestler and the little person tc grabbing the little person and rick for some reason continuing to chase the sumo wrestler out of shot and then we hear rick exclaim tc help get this guy off of me and tc just sort of laughs
1: while he has somebody to choke hold
0: yeah and then it uh fades out and we come back in on robin's nest with higgins going i'll i'll to have to apologize to to mr masters and tender my resignation and everything is horrible and i'm toilets and i'll have to move away and live in the shed and you know he's just like
1: <laughs> self-flagellating
0: yeah it's i mean it's you know this is higgins right so he's like i'll just pack everything up sell all my possessions and live in the woods you yeah, know
1: I'll, I'll cast myself into the sea uh, and magnum's like oh my god shut up for a second
0: what does Magnum actually say to reassure Higgins?
1: He says, to I mean, the TLDR is just like, you can't do that because you didn't do anything wrong. And also, Jennifer is out there, and she really does care about you. And Higgins is like, really? And he's like, yeah, she felt bad. You should go say something to her. Because she's about to go turn herself into the police to protect you, so... You should do that. And then inexplicably, Higgins goes outside and T.C.'s helicopter's there. Like, how long does it take the police to get there? That
0: was weird that the helicopter's already there. Because they drove there in the van. Yeah. So he would have had to have driven back to wherever he keeps the helicopter and then flown. Like, the
1: island hopper. Like, can't be close.
0: No. It's weird. Um,
1: I mean, it's one of the least unbelievable things about this episode, but...
0: Then Higgins says... For her to get in TC's helicopter and he'll take her away so that she doesn't have to face the music. And he gives her basically the speech from Casablanca. The like, you need to get on that helicopter and maybe this relationship can't work right now. No, but if, it
1: shouldn't work because you're 60 and she's in her 20s.
0: But if you don't go, you'll regret it. Maybe not today. Maybe not. You know. And she's
1: like, oh, but I'm very fond of you. And she doesn't drop the, the the fake posh accent.
0: No, I guess it's not fake anymore. But she says, "I do care about you very much." And he says, "And I love you." So, you should go.
1: That's good that she just she just lets that hang there. Yeah. Instead of being like, "Whoa!"
0: Yeah. Wouldn't that be awful if it's Girl, like,
1: "Girl, we've known each other for a week."
0: Yeah, if she's like, "I care about you very much." And he's like, "Yeah, and I love you." And she's like, That's "Whoa." That's nice. Okay.
1: Now it's weird. But
0: not okay. And you know what? Now I'm going to just peace because this is too much for me right now. We out. Uh and then she does indeed leave. <laughs> And Magnum comes up and they do not have a beginning of a beautiful friendship line exchange, but they exchange some pleasantries.
1: Yes. I feel like the moral of the story is Higgins should never send away Magnum from Robin's nest because Magnum has saved Higgins' butt many times. Yeah. I look forward to reminding, or at least yelling at the TV to remind Higgins of this the next time something comes between them and Magnum gets kicked out for plot reasons.
0: Which I'm sure will happen again.
1: I mean, we've got seven more seasons of this.
0: Well, six and a half.
1: So that was the episode. That's yeah, it. It
0: was fun. I, I enjoyed it.
1: It was okay. I, I,
0: thought, think, I think I enjoyed it more than you did.
1: Yeah, I thought Higgins was acting like unusually stupid for his character.
0: Blinded by love, you see.
1: Are people really that blinded by love?
0: I, on TV, they are. Kathleen just gave me the most withering look that has ever been.
1: <laughs> Kathleen is not a sentimental person.
0: No. Apparently. Wow.
1: I need more excuse for dumb behavior then. Well, that's how dumb people are on TV.
0: I wasn't using it as an excuse. There's a difference between an explanation and an excuse. I was not defending these actions. What would you rank the episode?
1: I give it a six and a half. It was fun and lighthearted, but there was a couple pacing problems and maybe some out-of-character moments. Although, if we're talking about just TC's scenes in this episode, it gets a 10 out of 10. Fair enough. So, we've increased our different time count.
0: Yeah, that's all we increased. There was no murders, there was no overt racism, there was no looks to the camera. Oh, by the way... Some fun trivia I forgot to mention. Roy, Roy Dutris, the guy who plays Blake Bryce. Ernest
1: th- Thurplebottom, Ernest fourth.
0: Thurplebottom, whoever, uh, was appointed an officer of the Order of the British Empire. Oh, he's an OBE. In 2008 for his contributions to acting and drama. And uh, he, he actually did serve in World War II. He, the he, irony! He was a POW for three years.
1: Oh, that sounds awful.
0: It sounds really bad. Oh, God. Uh, oh, and Devin Erickson, who played Jennifer Chapman, was on an episode of Jeopardy.
1: Celebrity Jeopardy or just Jeopardy Just Jeopardy, Jeopardy
0: 1992.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. How'd she do? I don't know. Well, considering the direction of her acting career is gone, uh, I hope she won. Okay, here's actually something I had a real complaint with in this episode. Not her accent. I feel like the, the British like class system, Higgins being a proper sort of mini gentry kind of upper cross you would be able to tell a fake fancy accent like i can't you can't but i feel like a a real british person could Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like wouldn't that tip him off
0: blinded by love
1: tropical fever
0: tropical madness
1: tropical dengue fever no
0: that's a different thing that's a real disease
1: the bow and arrow of cupid impacting your heart and cutting off blood flow to your brain redirecting it to certain groinal regions
0: speaking of groinal regions our ability to bring you this podcast is brought to you by you and your kind support of our patreon patreon.com slash loading ready run
1: how was that a segue
0: look I work with what I can here (laughs) okay
1: if you support these segues or and if you don't because they weren't very good in this episode
0: our patreon supports not only this podcast but all of our podcasts and uh, most of our video content and we'd appreciate it if you or your groin check it out (laughs) So until next time, Zeus, Apollo, go sit in the kitchen while I make whoopie with this British lady.
1: Okay, sign off time. God, I'm out of practice here. Maybe we should just get go on a tangent, Graham.
0: Well, can we just talk about cinnamon buns again? Because now I really want one.
1: Well, I mean, the market's probably still open. We can we
0: get stop, stop and get a cinnamon, cinnamon bun? bun on the way home?
1: There is no reason we can't.
0: Oh my God, we're adults.
1: True, true story. I saw cinnamon buns today and I wanted to eat them, and I thought, no, I'll be fiscally responsible and I'll just make myself cinnamon toast when I get home, which is not the same, but it's cinnamony.
0: You, <laughs> and I thought that would face, save my craving. Your face, when you said not the same, had this amazing look, this combination of disappointment. Disappointment and desperation. <laughs> it was just like it was not the same. I tried I really
1: like cinnamon buns okay. I mean, cinnamon toast is good, but they're a different animal. Yeah. The cinnamon is hygienically raised in pens and then pulverized, and the cinnamon toasts, they just roam free and you pick them off one by one. Completely different animal. Look, I brought the whole thing full circle. appreciate it.
0: I appreciate it deeply.
1: Let's get a cinnamon bun.
0: Okay.